This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into a uh, chat with Husker 24-7 here, and we have Alan True from 24-7 Sports joining us. Alan has been with 24-7 Sports for several years now. One of our great recruiting analysts covers the Midwest and someone that I routinely had on a daily radio show, one of my favorite guests. And so I figured if I was starting up a video chat format, who better to have for the first guest than Alan True? Alan, welcome. Hey, I am honored to be one of the first uh, video guests here. Yeah, I, I figured people got tired of just hearing my voice and they really needed to see me to get the full experience. And so, uh, you know, I think that's what the people want. I can't imagine the amount of subscribers that are going <laughs> to add or people who are going to subscribe once they know they get to see your face and mine. I mean, yeah. what more could you ask for? Plus, and you get Paramount Plus on top of that? Like, why not? Yeah, that, that's incredible. What what could be better? What could be better? Maybe we'll we'll find a way to work some Oasis in for you. I know you always enjoyed that uh, that sound drop we had for you, but uh, we'll we'll see if we can get that done. So I I wanted to have you on today uh, to to jump into all things recruiting. And before we dive into Nebraska specifically, I wanted to ask if you can kind of see early on any significant differences beyond just being able to have recruits on campus. Uh, between the 22 and 23 recruiting cycles right now. I know that for me locally, it's been very different with Nebraska, but I'm curious for you as someone who covers the Midwest region, how things have kind of looked just comparing and contrasting those cycles so far right now in March. I think the biggest thing is that recruits know based on 2022 that they're going to have less time to make a decision and that spots might fill up sooner. And maybe they had a teammate or somebody who they knew who they followed who waited too long in the last cycle and ended up. You, we had guys who had power five offers have to accept preferred walk-ons because spots filled up and there was less scholarships to go around. And a lot of guys at the college level got their years back and schools filled up with transfer portal as well. So I think the 23 kids seeing that understand maybe I don't have the amount of time to go through this process that I thought I did. Uh, I've already heard some guys who are even top level guys saying, I don't think I'm going to be able to take all of my officials. So I think you're going to see a larger amount of this class committed by the time summer starts than you did in previous years. And a lot of that is kids wanting to hold their spots and not have it taken up by somebody else or a transfer portal guy or, or whatever it may be. Uh, I, I think that's the biggest change right now. Absolutely. You mentioned the transfer portal obviously that's been around for a while. I mean, it, and, and transfers aren't anything new in college football, but we certainly saw an explosion of it in this 2022 recruiting cycle. What, what was sort of your takeaway from, from the 2022 recruiting cycle as it relates to the transfer portal? Do you, do you think that this is going to be a continuation of, of sort of what we saw with 
you know, places like Nebraska basically left 10 spots open for, for transfer portal players and, and other schools around the country did similar. Do you, do you think this will be continued or do you think this is going to ebb and flow a little bit and really be dictated based on class size and, and everything else for a school, kind of where they are at in their track and, and trying to compete? You know, I think in the near future, it's not going anywhere and it's not going to the way that the last cycle played out, I think, is how the next few cycles will play out. And then any changes beyond that, I think, will result from if the NCAA decides to legislate things differently. Um, if any rules changes happen around recruiting and around the portal, or if schools start to find out that maybe the portal isn't as fruitful as we think it is. And, you know, the there's more benefit to taking on a high school kid that we can develop for four or five years in our system. But I think as it stands right now, when you look at the success that schools have had in taking transfers, um, there's no reason for them to stop right now. When you can see even within the league and the Big Ten, Iowa taking a guy from Hillsdale like Zach Van Valkenburg turns out to be an all-conference guy. Michigan State taking a guy like Kenneth Walker. You know, why Why wouldn't you keep trying to do that? So until those guys stop having success, I don't see why schools would would revert to anything different at the moment. I, before we, we dive into 2023, one last thing with 2022. There's a couple guys from the Midwest area that I know that you covered their recruitments, and I believe you actually covered both of their commitments, that are probably as close to off the radar in the 2022 class for Nebraska as anybody, and that's Jaleel Martin and Emmett Johnson. And if you could, just kind of walk through both of those guys. Neither enrolled early. Both will arrive sometime in late May and June, and each has sort of a unique route as ending up as part of Nebraska's class. Yeah, so I think when you look at Nebraska's 2022 class, maybe it wasn't ranked as highly as the others um, in, in previous cycles. But if a Jaleel Martin or an Emmett Johnson turns out, suddenly it really elevates the class. And I think Jaleel is, first of all, one that could do that because I see a lot of upside there, but I see also the reasons why he wasn't more heavily recruited or maybe more highly ranked. And part of that is that um, they didn't play a fall season his junior year. He had a really shortened spring season and then they were, they were supposed to have six games and then uh due to a number of different factors didn't even play all six of those then he starts off uh the next season in the fall and you know he's got a big club on his hand for the first few weeks and and then and i had seen him work out before and there was even some some process there of figuring out what he was um he was a wide receiver early in his career there was some talk that they would even need to move him to quarterback to fill the spot of a kid that was graduating kind of settled in eventually as a, no, I think in the college level, he's a defensive prospect. And even with that, there's still some ambiguity, but I think that when you have a kid that's that big and that versatile has played that many different positions and it has worked really hard. I think he's a guy who can turn around and, and outplay his ranking just because of all of those factors. And then with Emmett Johnson, I think you have to, you trust the evaluation and you trust the production he was outstanding as a senior, was really good as a junior, but then kicked it up to even another notch as a senior. And I think you have to say, well, being up there at Holy Angels, which, you know, a smaller school in Minneapolis, not a place that a lot of schools got to. And then with the COVID year of not being able to travel and get to some camps, he fell under the radar. But when you put up that many yards and then did it uh, again in an all-star setting against some of the best players in the state, I think he also has a chance to, to greatly outplay his rankings and his offer list and his expectations. Do both of those kind of represent the next frontier of, of recruits where 
Julio Martin could play multiple different positions on defense by the time his career ends. Emmett Johnson could play on either side of the ball, and that was one of the first things that he told me. Both seem like they could be really involved in special teams. It just feels like teams like Nebraska are coveting versatility more and more with recruits, and both of those kind of both of those guys reflect it to me. Yeah, I think, and you see it at every level. You know, when you when we go back and look at some of the guys at, in the NFL draft that we missed, it's typically something like that. You know, Zayvon Collins, who is runs for a gajillion yards as a high school running back, but not really sure if he's a running back. And then he goes to Tulsa and plays linebacker and becomes a first round pick. I think you know, even the Isaiah Simmonses of the world are, are kids that kind of fell into that tweener trap that. I think used to be kind of a taboo word in scouting. Now it's a good thing. I think if you if you don't play multiple positions, I think that there's something wrong. So when we saw that's what we saw last year with Nebraska's class as a whole. When we looked at Ernest Hausman and guys like Gage Stanger who, who played all over the field, played both sides of the ball. I think now if you're going to project over the defense and you don't play offense, there better be a, a really, really good reason for that. Otherwise, that's a little bit of a red flag in evaluating just because of the amount of athleticism you want to have on the field as a as a defense now. Transitioning over to, to the 2023 recruiting class. Right now, Nebraska sits at five commits. I think the last time I looked, they were inside the top 15 in the uh, the 24-7 sports team rankings. I think they're number five in the Big Ten recruiting rankings. They're back in more of the territory where Scott Frost and this staff has kind of been relative to that 2022 cycle where they were as low as 73rd at one point in time. And, and even a year ago at this time, they didn't even have a commitment yet for 2022. And it was a really slow burn. They're at five right now. And several of those guys are, are right here in the region. Do you do you have uh, have you had a chance to kind of look at a guy like Gunnar Gatula or Sam Sledge, uh, you know, Ben Bramer, some of their in-state guys uh, that Nebraska was able to get early commitments from? Yeah. You know, I think those guys still have some runway to go up. Um, those guys were evaluated pretty early by us. And this was without the benefit of having seen those guys in person a lot yet. Um, so I think we're hoping to be able to do that. I'm getting out into that area coming up. There's some big events in Kansas City and that, that we're hoping to see those guys. And then we'll be back on campus for Nebraska this summer. So you hope maybe those guys pop in to a Friday Night Lights or something and work out at one of those things. So I think at this point in time, we, uh, we're pretty conservative with the rankings. We like to trend guys up rather than having to move them down. And I think all of those guys, uh, especially a guy like Brammer, who is continuing to grow into his body, uh, has a lot of you know athleticism and kind of fits. We just talked about some of the guys on defense that have versatility. Well, he's you know a high school wide receiver, multi-positional guy, could, could depending on how he fills in, be a lot of different things, maybe a tight end eventually there. Um, I think he, as we see him develop, I think guys like him have a chance to to really move up. Yeah, you you mentioned being conservative with with the rankings with people you haven't seen in person yet. One in-state player that you have not been conservative with with the rankings is Malachi Coleman, who's deep inside the top two four seven. I think he's inside the top one hundred and fifty players here on our latest rankings update. I've seen Malachi Coleman several times in the last year. And it was really fun just watching him go from early on, slowly getting better, getting better, getting better. We just talked about versatility. Malachi Coleman's a guy that could play like four or five different positions as well. What, what have you kind of seen when you turned on the film and then you pair that up with what his, his track times have been 
and just the overall athleticism of, of a Malachi Coleman, who's transcended being maybe a regional recruit and is bordering on being a national one at this point. Yeah, I think with him, it's exciting because if you look into the future, you look into the crystal ball, to use our uh, a, a, a term from our network, in the future, in five years, if he's, you know, that we got the NFL combine this week, he could be working out with the receiver group. He could be working out with the tight end group. He could be an edge rusher. He could be a linebacker. There's all sorts of different things that he could be based on his athleticism and the growth still that he could have at six foot, 590 pounds. So that was exciting to watch a guy with that frame, uh, I think show the twitch that he had and then match that up. Like you said, with some of the track data, this is how our rankings work. Usually I watch through all my regional guys and I'll take a few and say, hey, I think these guys have a chance to fit somewhere nationally. I send it off to them. And sometimes they say, uh, you're wrong. Keep him at an 87. Or they'll say, no, I think this guy fits in. And uh, with him, it came back that like, we think this guy might be a top 150 to 200 guy. And at that point, I didn't really know a ton about Malachi. I just knew that I liked this film and liked some of the data we had. And they felt like comparing him to nationally, which is a perspective I don't get, he he fit into that. And, and a lot of that is upside. It is, it's, it's not just that what he is right now. I think it's what he could be down the line. Absolutely. Diving into Nebraska's got a big visit weekend coming up. The March 5th here on Saturday, they're going to host their third junior day. They have somewhere in the neighborhood of 13, 14 guys on campus in 2023 that already have offers. Uh, a lot of regional guys. They certainly Malachi Coleman is one of them. Maverick Noonan is another. And then they have some guys from the state of Missouri. Missouri has been unbelievably barren for Nebraska over the last four years. It's a state where there's a number of great Huskers that have come through that played in Kansas City or played through St. Louis, and they just have not landed those commitments. And it's not necessarily for a lack of effort. They just haven't had luck there. Right now, you're looking at a visit weekend with a guy like Paris Patterson or Brandon Henderson or Logan Reichert, all come from the state of Missouri. What Has Missouri expanded in your mind in terms of producing more and more recruits? One, because it feels like more schools go into it now than ever. And two, uh, what do you know about any of those guys individually? I, I think there was another defensive back that I, I left off from, from St. Louis as well that I believe you just wrote about. Yeah, Donovan McIntosh. So I think there has been a little bit of a boom in St. Louis over the last couple of years. Ezekiel Elliott, I think, helped usher that in where schools kind of went. Eh, maybe we should be going in there more. And then there was this, this uh, you know, that, that class a few years ago, I think, where Illinois came in and signed Isaiah Williams. And there was Shimon Cooper and Jamison Williams was in that class. That really helped kind of push St. Louis recruiting forward. And so I think why partially why Nebraska maybe hasn't had the success that they've wanted, like you said, is that all of a sudden everybody was going in there. There was, there were, there were a lot of uh, sharks circling the water, a lot of schools going in there and not everybody could have success. I think that slowed down a little bit. And I think the kids are, you know, having, looking more at different schools like Nebraska. I think when you look at that class that I mentioned, a lot of those guys didn't visit Nebraska. Now they've got guys visiting from St. Louis and East St. Louis, which is really an extension of St. Louis uh, this weekend. So I think they're gaining some traction there. And I think the kids are more open to some of those programs now. So I think getting a, a, a foothold, a pipeline into East St. Louis, even to where you can get those guys on campus is big. And I really like Paris Patterson and Brandon Henderson. I said earlier this year, you know, Miles McVeigh is the big headliner in that group. He's got a, a ton of offers, but I felt like when you watch them, Paris Patterson and Brandon Henderson, 
are right there with them at the time. Henderson had no offers. Paris maybe had two or three. And I didn't think that you watched them next to McVeigh and said, well, this guy has 30 offers and these other guys should have three between the two of them. So they've now caught up. And I think schools are figuring out that they've got a, a factory going on over there. And I think uh, Nebraska being in fairly early for both of those guys, especially Henderson, is going to help them um, in those recruitments. Same thing with Donovan McIntosh. Hasn't gotten real far into the process yet. And Nebraska is going to be one of the first schools that he really has a chance to kind of take in a whole junior day type experience at. I think that's going to go a long way in them possibly landing him. So we, we just ran through Missouri, an area where picking up a guy like Jaleel Martin, do you sense that Nebraska has put more effort into Chicago? They took Elante Brown a few years ago. Marcus Buford has a connection, I believe, to, to Elante Brown. And so there's just – it feels like they have pushed more into Illinois as of late and specifically, Kenwood Academy has several guys in the 2023 class and beyond that Nebraska has shown quite a bit of interest in. Yeah, I think those guys were kind of the first dominoes that helped them sort of kick the door down. And, you know, Chicago is another area like St. Louis where it's so dense and it's hard to get around in Chicago. I mean, with traffic and the amount of high schools that are there and then really some of the top towns being at suburb schools that are an hour to an hour and a half outside of the city, it's just can, it can be kind of hard if you don't have some ins. And I think with Alante Brown and Marcus Buford, that has helped Nebraska continue to move forward in that area. And Kenwood has, has been good to them. They landed Jaleel. And I think that's helped them kind of get in on the ground floor with guys like Khalil Tate um, and KV on Thunderbird, who have, who have ended up becoming, you know, two of the top guys in that state. So I, I do think that I see uh, them moving forward more in those states. Another thing to mention with the East St. Louis guys that I kind of forgot about is there's I think when you look at this 23 class, Nebraska's made some staff changes and that's going to be a big kind of tail of the tape of this recruiting class, especially at the offensive line position where I've noticed they have a really, really good group coming in this week. You got a new offensive line coach. I think that's a, this is a real chance for him already doing a good job to get these guys on campus. Now you get a chance to really spend some time with these kids and establish a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Donovan Rayola is definitely going to be under a microscope uh, for Nebraska. And he's got a Chicago connection as well, having worked for the Bears the last few years. I, I, I want to finish up with with Elante Brown. People might have forgotten this. You were sort of the guy that was pushing Elante Brown back in the 2020 class. You knew him from his time in Chicago before he went to St. Thomas More. Elante Brown had about as big of a breakout in the spring press conference as one could have with almost every coach mentioning him all the way down to the special teams coordinator. What do you remember about him both as a high school and as a prep player? And do you, do you kind of get excited waiting to see when these kids have that breakout moment when you were able to follow that recruitment for as long as you have? Yeah. Especially when I think we were the only ones that had him as a four star. I definitely have been sitting there going, okay, come on now. Let's uh, <laughs> help me out here. But I, I think, what I remember of him is his breakout was really as a quarterback at Chicago Simeon. They came out and they played cast tech in Detroit. It was this big showdown game. And not a lot of people knew Alante at that point. We left that game. The cast tech coaches still to this day and talk about like having to stop him. Um, and it took a minute for schools, I think, to figure out what he was. I think he was committed to Miami, Ohio for a moment as a, they were talking about quarterback. Then he went to some camps, caught the ball. They timed him. 
and and he started to pick up traction as an athlete, offensive weapon, wide receiver kind of guy. And so I think between all of that, not having the positional background at wide receiver, you know, it's not a huge surprise that it's maybe taken him until this point to really start to have these breakout moments because he he was a quarterback for most of his high school career. And even though he went out to St. Thomas more, I think that was another situation where you watch that film. And a lot of the time, he's just the best athlete on the field. That was a lot of his high school and prep career. So I think it's been an adjustment process for him, but knowing the type of speed and explosiveness that he has, you know, I'm not surprised that he's, he's found a way to make an impact here. I'm excited to see that, but he was a guy that because of the positional differences in high school probably needed a, a little bit of time to adjust to this level. Absolutely. Alan, we appreciate your time as always. We hope to have you on here again. And uh, of course, I'm going to be hitting you up looking for your help trying to wrangle some of these kids after Nebraska's big junior day on Saturday. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I have I have nothing else to do Saturday night, but uh, but talk <laughs> right? about I love that. Yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's so fantastic. I'll, I'll look forward to being on the board. All right, Alan, I appreciate it. Everyone, be sure to check out Husker 24-7. We'll have plenty of coverage of that junior day and plenty of everything else with spring football rolling here as Nebraska has it going in March. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.